This is episode 90 of the Rising Man podcast with Sanyika, the Firestarter Street. More than I can bear. <music> Greetings, risers, and thank you for tuning in to the Rising Man podcast. I'm your host, Jetty Azuma, bringing you raw conversations with real men, discussing everything from what it means to be a man in the modern world to the secrets of Tantra, from champion martial artists to rites of passage guides and beyond. When it comes to amplifying your masculine, we've got you covered. But before I introduce today's guest, let me speak for a moment about men's circles and leaving a legacy. So if you've been around long enough, you may have heard me speak about sitting in men's circles for 10 years. I've mentioned many times before how my men's team has allowed me to be the man I am today. Father, husband, podcast host, rites of passage guide, etc. A lot of the conversation when it comes to personal development is what can I get out of this? What is in it for me? But what gets lost in the conversation is what can I contribute? What do I get to be a part of by showing up for this circle, this community, this group, this club, whatever it is? You see, learning how to lead men from a grounded, masculine context has empowered me to be the man I am today, everywhere in my life. But the most compelling part of it all has been when I've been able to give back to other men. We're scripting our legacy with every action we take, every relationship, every exchange and encounter that we have. And part of that legacy is the Rising Man Fire Circle. This is our online brotherhood community of men from all over the world, practicing masculine leadership and supporting each other, becoming the men we desire to be. Literally, in real time, we've got men from all over the world circling up together, holding meetings, leading one another, learning how to lead each other so that we can effectively lead ourselves in our lives. Every man inside the Rising Man Fire Circles is placed on a team, held accountable for his commitments and given the gift of being seen and supported by his brothers. If you've ever lied to yourself, broken commitments, believed your own bullshit, then having the accountability of a team is exactly what you've been missing. So for 33 bucks a month, you get to be a part of this community and contribute to the Rising Man legacy as we spread our message across the world. Head over to patreon.com slash rising man and get yourself signed up today. Okay, today's guest is a very special brother of mine, a man by the name of Sanyika, the Firestarter Street. The Firestarter man is a storyteller, performing artist, keynote speaker, and empowerment coach. Sanyika's mission is to inspire people into action by telling the world's greatest stories. Brands, organizations, and universities have made Sanyika one of today's most requested speakers as a result of his ability to deliver inspiring spoken word performances and teach the power of storytelling. As the founder of the Firestarter Nation, he creates social empowerment campaigns which tell our society's most important stories. His most recent campaign, Thank You for Your Service, produced by the All Warrior Network cooperation with the U.S. Army, went viral, receiving over 2.4 million impressions across all social platforms. The Firestarter has worked with brands including MTV, Fox Forward, The Travel Channel, and Sony PlayStation. As a songwriter, he's written chart-topping songs for Nick Lachey from 98 Degrees and Too Short. He's amassed over two million social media views and the first fire he ever lit while broke and broken was the fire he lit in himself. Mm, What an intro, huh? (laughs) In this episode, we spoke about why men develop rage when we are out of touch with our hearts, sometimes as a result of being afraid all the time. We discussed the importance of having real, transparent conversations with boys to help them relate how they're feeling, what's going on inside, what what they're feeling, what they're up to. We spoke about values and how different values, especially high level values, such as integrity, gratitude, respect, honesty, and humility are high level skills that are 
learned and achieved with practice and experience over time. This was a big one for me because I realized how much I project the values I have in my life onto my four-year-old son and the expectations I hold over him to be those things, to be respectful, to be honorable, to be an in integrity. And I had to learn how to do those things myself, so I don't know why I expect him to have it all figured out. Such a big topic, so important. We also talked about the harm in having a disconnect between our feelings and how we express ourselves. And last, we talked about gun violence, understanding the problem and discussing the solution is seen through our eyes and how we can create the future we want for our children starting right now. So without further ado, Sanyika, the Firestarter Street. All right, Rising Man family, I am here with the Firestarter himself, Mr. Sanyika Street. Coming live from Los Angeles. What's up, my bro? What's good, man? How you doing? I'm doing real good, man. I'm doing real good. I'm looking at your face across the screen, and it hasn't been long <laughs> since I've seen you, so it's it doesn't feel like we need to catch up on much. It feels like we just need to jump in and start seeing what kind of wisdom we got here, man. I'm down. I am down. I'm definitely down. Yeah. 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 For, for, the, for those of you guys who don't know Sanyika yet, you're welcome. You're welcome for introducing you to this man. <laughs> He's a, <laughs> he is a, an amazing presence. If you guys, uh, when you guys start seeing some of the Call the Warrior footage we put out there, he is the mountain of a man that is standing directly behind me. So when you get to see that face, you'll see what kind of presence this man carries. But just for all you, y'all who can't see him right now, he's got a teddy bear on his shirt right now. He, he's a man, you're a man to me who, who can balance those those energies. And we're going to learn more about what that what that means and what that represents for you. I'm today, down. So. I'm down. I'm down. Thank you for having me, brother. Yeah. You got it, man. I'm glad we made this happen. Yeah, man. And the haka was dope. The haka yeah. <laughs> was dope. And shout to Leon and Jamie and you and Everybody who facilitated and got us in a great space to be able to tap into some traditional, it was like going back into to, to ancestral times, you know, it really felt like a journey back in time in the present day. And I think that a lot of times we forget about, I mean, it's so easy to, to only think that, that your life started with you, mm. right? And and that's just not even the, that's not the case at, like, it's, it's so far from the case. This, the ancestral roots paying homage to the people that have graced the land and, and honoring that is a really powerful thing. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm completely with that. Completely with yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a separate conversation. I've had a, a lot of conversations the past couple of weeks since the Call of the Warrior event about culture, because Jamie and those those folks that in the Maori tradition, they always introduce themselves by speaking about all of their ancestors. He can trace his ancestors 14 generations back. Yeah. I was like, dang. I was like, I barely know my great grandparents' names and I don't yeah. know anything about their lives or their stories. So Yeah, same here. Yeah, man. Same here. Yeah, man. So another conversation for another time. <laughs> uh, but but I think it's also relevant. I'm glad you brought up the Call of the Warrior event and the Hakka because that is representative of this bigger conversation that we're having around masculine expression. And today we're going to we're gonna dive into some of the consequences of having a, a culture and a society that doesn't encourage men to express their authentic selves mm. and, and what's really going on. So mm. before we jump into that, man, let's get some context so we can know you better. Sure. For you, what is the difference between a boy and a man? So a, a boy is trying to find is the, the meaning of, of, of why he's here, what you know, what exists around him. He's constantly in a state of trying to find meaning, 
right? Like constantly instead of trying to find meaning and make meaning out of things. And a man has established a foundation of meaning and is now moving forward in the world to create and build based on the meaning that he has established. So a a boy is in the developmental stages of finding meaning. A man has found some semblance of meaning and is now moving into the world to try to to create based on the meaning that he has established, right? Mm. I don't Mm -hmm. color boy and man as infantile, boy infantile, man grown. The way that we color any word, and and I'm a, I mean, like I tell people, like I'm a a linguist and a writer. I'm just a linguist and a writer trapped in the body of an NFL lineman. (laughs) But but the idea is, is that one is about the development of meaning, one is about established meaning based on, you know, the, the life that they've lived up to that point. And now they're building on top of the meaning that they have created. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. And that's that's very close to what a lot of other men have said about this question. And I, I want to follow up by asking you, when did you become a man? When did you start identifying that I've arrived? I, I am now a man based mm-hmm. on what you just shared. Mm. Here's the thing, right? You asked me what it means to, to, to be a man. And as I, as I moved into my manhood, as I, with the previous meaning that I had established about my life, I, had a, I very much had a victim consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I feel like when you grow into being a man, you can be either a destructive man, you can be a neutral man, or you can be a positive man, like almost like energetic forces. Mm-hmm. Right? And so the idea is, is that for me, I was very much in living in a space of neutrality. Mm-hmm. So I was in, a, in my early 30s, I was like, I was a man who had established the meaning that my dreams were not, po- that my dreams could be possible, but I didn't truly believe it in my core. Mm-hmm. I believe that I could be in a relationship, but I wasn't really developed enough to be committed. I had a conceptual, intellectual understanding of life, but I did not have a rooted, grounded, physiological embodiment practice around around the beliefs that I had. Mm. Right, so I was very much head, very little heart, and a lot of inner rage. Mm. Right, mm-hmm. so so that was the man that I was based on the meaning that I had created, and then crashing through my life in my early thirties. I started to realize that there was a new way of manhood that I could embody. Mm-hmm. And that took me into a place of personal development, personal growth, and then moving into a space where I could start to really believe that, about, that I could accomplish the things that I wanted to accomplish and, and be the person that I wanted to be for myself and for others. Mm. Yeah, I, I can totally relate to that too. And I think that's something that a lot of us experience is having a perception, a belief about what it means to be a man and um, and seeing ourselves intellectually as being in that in that space that I am a man now, and then ten years fast forward, looking back and saying, "Man, I wasn't there yet. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. That that wasn't it. Even though I thought that was it, that wasn't it." Right. Um, I wonder if there was like a crystalline moment that stands out in your memory, where whether it was something that occurred in your life, something that you accomplished or achieved, where you, for the first time, could recognize, "Wow, I'm I am not the the immature." version of myself that made it all about me that wasn't really thinking about other people this is I, I've, I've shifted I've made a shift could you have do you have a moment or a memory that stands out there's a lot of shifts like a car with a manual transmission I'm, yeah it was a lot of it was a lot of shifting in my early in my early 30s the process of giving up drinking was a big shift because I just stopped cold turkey and becoming more dedicated to surrounding myself with accountable men moving into the space of my own personal development. Um, that was so big. Like, I used to think it was so... I was a big fan of Tony Robbins, mm-hmm. right? I've always been to some degree. So we're both big guys. And 
I, I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, you know, Tony Robbins, personal development, all that kind of stuff. But then it, it, as I got into my space, I was like, oh man, this is crap. This is crazy. This don't make no sense. This shit don't work. You know what I'm saying? I'd be like, whatever. And then I got into, then I started to realize that I needed perspective, mm. that my view on myself and on the world was the thing that I had an inclination that it was limiting me. And in my soul, I felt like it was limiting me and I needed a shift mm. in perspective. So then personal development, meaning like digging into my story, my wounds, my narrative that I was crafting about myself and my life. I was digging into all those things. And then I was just like, man, this is, I need, I need more perspective. So getting myself in the community, giving up drinking, uh, not just giving it up because it was a bad thing, but giving it up for something greater. Mm. And, um, and then moving myself into a space of working on myself. Some of the biggest transitional points and shifts I ever made. Mm. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. That's, well, that's beautiful. And I want to, I definitely want to hear more about that journey, but first I want to understand, I want to go back to a word you mentioned when you were talking about, you said rage. The word rage is it, that evokes a very specific re- reaction for me mm-hmm. of moments in my life where I experienced an energy that I felt completely out of control of, mm-hmm. especially when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Experiencing something it, to me, it feels like you know those uh, Mortal Kombat games mm-hmm. or the the fighting games where the, your special bar goes all the way up and <laughs> the character right. starts glowing and their their veins bulge and they do some super crazy you know martial arts move. Right. That's that's the, the visual representation of what I was feeling internally. Mm-hmm. And when you say a word like rage, because anger and rage to me are different things. Yeah. So uh, so what do you, when you say rage, what do you mean by that? And can you describe it in detail? What you're what you're experiencing when that happens to you? Yeah. I am 6'8", I weigh 270 pounds. Mm-hmm. About a month ago, I weighed 283. I've been dropping weight because of 75 hard. We could talk about 75 hard in a minute. But <laughs> when I was younger, I'm the youngest of four. I grew up in DC. And um, I used to, my elementary school was across the street from the projects. Mm-hmm. To get to my junior high school, I used to walk, have to walk past my elementary school through the projects to get to my element, to my junior high school. And even going to the corner store that was two blocks away was was a very scary and dangerous thing for me. Mm-hmm. My experience around those things, were, I wasn't meaning I'm six, eight now. I wasn't six, eight then. Mm-hmm. And I was generally by myself and I didn't know I had low self-confidence, didn't know how to take care of myself, couldn't protect myself. And I was I very much felt constantly in a, in a state of fear. So I was constantly in a state of fear. And 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 listen, I mean, people call it bullying, you know, nowadays, but I mean, it. The people who were standing in front of the corner store when I was when I was younger, they were they were criminals, like real fucking criminals, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So I very much lived in a space of a fear. And the thing I tell people about fear is that when you when you live in a space where you're afraid all the time, it gets it, gets, it seeps into your bone, you know, it becomes a part of your DNA. And and so I was living with that fear. What I didn't realize is that as I got bigger, I was no longer afraid of humans physically. Mm-hmm. But I never had an opportunity to release the rage that I felt of being afraid all the time and to voice what I was experiencing as a result of being afraid all the time. Mm. And so what essentially happened is that 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 fear bottled up and festered inside of me became a time bomb. And it erupted in my family life when I was a teenager with my interactions with my mom. I was giving her hell Mm -hmm. because I was so pent up with frustration because I never had the ability to communicate my emotions, like what I was really experiencing. Mm -hmm. 
authentically in a way that was real and that she could relate to. So I never, and I never felt comfortable talking about the fact that I was, I'm not, me talking about the fact that I'm afraid, man, I never talk about that when I was in my twenties or in, in my, I ain't never say that, mm-hmm. you know, how, how that fear manifested. I, I don't even think I was advanced enough to understand that. But the idea is that it, it became a ticking time bomb in me. Mm-hmm. So that coupled up with the meaning that I made around my father not being present, right? So I, I'm, I say the meaning that I made around my father not being present as opposed to saying that my father left because father leaving does not indicate good or bad. It just means that that motherfucker left, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right. It could have been, been for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. And, and you could have made a, a different meaning out of it as a result in a lot of different ways. The truth is, is that I made the meaning out of it that I was not, you know, I, I was not a, uh, you know, worthy that he was not there to teach me the things that I felt like I needed to be taught to protect myself mm-hmm. and that it was going to, and it was disabling me. So all of that energy bottled up inside of me, that's the rage. So not being able to communicate authentically how I was feeling to be able to navigate through those emotions and they played themselves up in loud outrages. They played themselves on basketball court when I would get, you know, violent they played themselves and th- thankfully the only place I got violent was on, a, on an athletic field. But, you know, the reality is that the rage bottled, it, bottled itself up in loud outbursts and also in apathy. Mm-hmm. So it also put me in a state where I felt like there's nothing, I can't even do anything with this anymore. So I just, I just give up. Yeah. It. Yeah. And I could so relate to that, man. I shared the story on here a lot of times when I talk about anger and rage because the first time I experienced just how just how powerful I could be was when I was mm. 16 years old. I had just gotten in the first fight. You know, I'm doing air quotes here because like, what, what do you fight about with your girlfriend when you're 16 years old, right? It's some bullshit. Right. But, but it got <laughs> right. me to that point where I was so frustrated, I didn't know what to do with it. And an energy came up in me that I'd never experienced before. And it was like, I was like, uh, the Hulk. Mm. I punched a hole in my wall, which I didn't know I was capable of at that point in time. I was I was screaming, I was crying and screaming at the same time, and all I could see in my both of my parents' eyes, my mom and my dad, was fear and and not knowing what to do. Mm. And all and the, the message I got from them was calm down. And you can't calm down an animal when he's experiencing animal emotions. Mm-hmm. And so the only thing that I could do instinctively was to get out of the house and go for a run and I don't know how long it was but I swear I was sprinting for at least 30 minutes straight just just cooking off all this energy that came up it was Mm. it was incredible I felt euphoria at the end of that but in the midst of it I was terrified Mm. because I didn't know what it was or what to do with it And, and from that point on even though I did express it I did what you said, more of the apathy, more of the um, suppress, consolidate, store it somewhere in my body because I learned it wasn't safe to be that way. Yeah, It hurts people that I love. Right. And so I have an idea of what I think I needed at that time. I think I, I, think I needed somebody who could help me understand what I was feeling and just be mm-hmm. with it. And, I, you mm-hmm. know, I love my, my parents are great. They just they just weren't capable of being with that at that time. So what mm-hmm. do you think you needed as that boy who was feeling rage and feeling that time bomb? ticking in your chest authentic transparent safe space for communication mm. it is a recent accomplishment for me to be able to authentically relate how i feel mm. i'm almost 40 40 this year november 29th you can send presents in the mail 
Um, I, <laughs> I do accept Bentleys as gifts. Um, Bentleys are not that expensive. So <laughs> for some people, get, right. Get, get rid of your wealth. Conscious. Don't let your money consciousness show up right now. All right. <laughs> you can send me a Bentley in the mail. They, they have, they all four glyphs that deliver them anyway. But <laughs> the thing is, is that it's a very recent accomplishment for me. Mm. Almost 40 fucking years old. Mm-hmm. So, so what did I need? I needed the space to communicate and the tools to be able to communicate. We underestimate many of the things that we incorporate into our daily existence are tools as opposed to just uh, rights. Like just, it just happens, right? Mm-hmm. Transparency is a tool. Like you learn it, it's a skill, right? You learn transparency. Mm-hmm. You learn to be honest. Like honesty is a skill. You don't, you don't, you're not just honest. Mm-hmm. I want to ask a kid if, if he ate cookies and you tell me if that little sucker is honest. <laughs> He's not honest, right? Yeah. He, you have to teach them to be honest. Right. Teach g- gratitude is taught, mm-hmm. right? You don't, you, don't just, you don't just get it. And I think that we take for, we take for uh, granted the fact that these things are just like, oh, well, he's not honest. He's not transparent. He's not, you know, high integrity. Like integrity is like this. Do you know the monument of what you need, who you need to be to be integrous? Mm-hmm. Like the idea that people are just either integrous or not, like get the hell out of here, dude. Mm-hmm. Like you learn it. You either learned it or you didn't. And the thing is, is that I realized is that I did not learn those skills. Look, my mom is a beautiful woman. She taught me to be a great human being. I was still going through my stuff, mm-hmm. right? I'm still going through my stuff, my own journey as a human being. And I did not have the skills to authentically relate as a man and communicate my emotions. Right. And I love that you're speaking about this because I, I get stuck in this trap all the time with with Sitka, my four my four year old. Today's his birthday, four years old. And happy birthday, Sitka. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, little man. Mm-hmm. The level, the standard that I hold for him as a four year old for to be honest, to be respectful. Mm-hmm. These are these are high, like you said, these are high level qualities. This is like right. you're, you're playing a big game. If you if you walk around in the world as an integral person who honors your word and your commitments, right. who is respectful, who treats others the way he wants to be treated, that's like graduate level stuff. That's that mm-hmm. you don't you don't just come into the world this way. And I think that's important to recognize. And right. the most powerful way to learn those things is by witnessing and then modeling those behaviors. Absolutely. And so, my parents, just like you said about your mom great parents you know like they, they they gave me a lot a lot of my great qualities come from them sure. one thing that was not visible in my household was exactly what you said authentic transparency expression sharing what is going on underneath because we all i don't care who you are every human walking this planet has a bullshit detector for that will tell you what somebody's feeling mm-hmm. and when the words the expression doesn't match what you can sense about somebody you can tell when somebody's pissed the fuck off yeah. And they can say, I ain't mad. What are you talking about? I'm not mad. What are you, you, see, you see the vein bulging out of their forehead, but they don't. Right. the words don't match what we feel. Right. It creates a disconnect. Mm-hmm. And then children don't learn that. That's how we learn. We learn by witnessing and sensing first. Yeah. So, you know, making pivoting this a little bit over to, we know what the outcome is. We know, we know why men are killing themselves, suicide, more than... Just astronomical rates. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And we know that gun violence, mass shootings are being perpetrated by I don't even know what the what it is now. Is it ninety seven, ninety eight percent men these days? It's 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 ridiculous. It it is so it is. heavily outweighed, man. Yeah. So why is this happening? Why 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 is this happening on such a grand scale now? Because this is as far as we know, this is the first time in human history that it's happening in like this. Yeah. I was talking with I live in Thousand Oaks. I was talking with the chief of police in Thousand Oaks. And to your question is, why has 
gun violence and, and you know, and specifically relating to the project that we're working on about gun violence and that, um, why has it peaked so much? He says since 2014, it's at an astronomical rate. The principle is that mass shootings have increased. And I want to make a really important point is that mass shootings have increased and mass shootings represent a small fraction of, of gun violence that happens throughout. Mm. The reason why mass shootings are such a, are such a large big deal is because they are acts of terror. Right. So terrorist attacks don't occur all the time, but a terrorist attack, when it occurs, it is a very big deal. Right. So a mass shooting is a terror attack Mm. and a mass shooting on a mall or a school. Obviously, those are terror attacks. Mm -hmm. So terrorism, domestic or foreign, is a big deal. And so it gets a lot of news play. The large quantity of gun violence that occurs in this country happens in neighborhoods like the one I grew up in. The numbers, it's like a 50 X, you know. So it happens much more. So imagine if, you know, the, the, the PTSD affected by people who are going around experiencing trauma from gun violence and a mass shooting. Imagine the people who experience it every day in their PTSD, mm-hmm. right? So I bring that up because, you know, the, the thing is, is that I don't know, and I don't want to speculate on the idea of like, of why it's in, it, it's a valid question. Why is it increasing? It's a really important question. Why is it increasing? It, meaning that the episodes of gun violence. And I, I think that we have gotten to this cultural tipping point where we have, it's a borderline of two things to me, the same thing about masculine expression, apathy and helplessness. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of the helplessness, it lends itself to the apathy. Mm-hmm. So the helplessness goes, well, I can't do anything about it. So I'm just going to, you know, best I can do is make a post about it. Best I can do is say, hey, you know, it's really messed up. Best I can do is get in an argument with somebody on Facebook about, you know, my position on, you know, like guns or Second Amendment or anything like that. And, and the thing is, is that in that space and that spirit, we forget about what the fuck is important. Mm-hmm. We forget about the world that we're trying to create. If the issue is an argument about your position on, you know, on, uh, on, on gun violence or Second Amendment, you're arguing, you're having a political discourse. You're having a political discourse on, on an argument about whether or not people deserve the right to bear gun. If you're having a conversation about, about the outcome or the world that you want to create. See, Jetty, we don't live in the present, just the present. We live in the, in the future of what we want to create now. Mm. The future that we want to create, we live in that present. Because that future that I want to create gives this present meaning, right? Sika's birthday is four. You live in the future of him as an 18, 25, 30-year-old child, man, growing up being a contributor in society. And you say, I am at four years old. How do I get him to 30? Mm-hmm. Right? How do I get him to 25? So we're living in the future that we want to create now. So the thing is, is that as we, as we live in the future that we want to create now, the question is, is not about your position on an idea or, or, on, a, or you know, on a policy. The question is, is we need to live in the future that we want to create Now, so the question is, what future are we trying to live into? Are we trying to live into a future of a political discourse? Are we trying to live into a future that actually protects kids and families and people and keeps them safe? We're we're missing the point. Mm -hmm. We're not focusing on what's important. And so when you focus on what's important, the future that you want to create and living into that right now, it shifts the conversation. Mm-hmm. So we're so stuck in an idea and that intellectual thing, like we're talking about, about manhood and like what, what it means to be a man and all sort of kind of stuff like that shifted about, about that kind of idea. It's like, yo, no, that's not it. You're, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You're focusing on the wrong thing. This is about kids, the future that you want to create for them. Mm-hmm. Like what future do you want to create for them? Mm-hmm. 
I'm not trying to create a future where my kids get on social media and start having arguments about political discourses. I want them to have a future about the future that they want to create in using policy and legislation to be able to affect and change it and, and to cultivate it into the world that they want to create for themselves and for their kids as well. Right. Right, man. And, and that's well articulated. Uh, in, in that, I hear you speaking about a more solution oriented mindset, a more solution oriented presence of how can we not, not identify what is that actually the problem that we want to be addressing, first of all, right. and then what is the means by which we can actually start addressing that? And For instead sure. of talking about all this other political stuff, like you're saying, and and I, I 100% resonate with that. Um, I also take particular issue with the fact that we, with with you know the, the media and, and their their portrait of events like this that we're talking about is one thing, but I think we as a general public don't take responsibility for gun violence and mm-hmm. and for for kids and young people perpetrating violence on each other for expressing themselves in that way. And there's a lot of victim perpetrator mm-hmm. dynamics that, that whenever we're speaking about and sharing these stories, there's they don't even show the picture of the person who does it. They don't even say their name. They don't want to give any attention to that because there's a belief that that's going to perpetrate more, that that's going to cause more of this to happen. But I think that's that's an exact representation of the backwards mentality. If we're mm-hmm. forgetting about the person, the, the victims of, of this, the people who lost their lives or were injured, wounded, affected, we we know, we know that it, this didn't happen because of them. Mm-hmm. This happened because of what was missing for the person who made that choice, mm. or, or what what they needed that we didn't provide as a as a community, mm. as a bigger family. And so I I always speak about that because I nobody wants to talk about the person who did it. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to talk about what was that person's experience like. Mm-hmm. Where were they not loved? Where were they not seen? Where were they not able to express? Where did they? who were they growing up with that didn't show them how to express themselves in a healthy way so they can get support and process their things. Cause we all have it. We all go through stuff. Mm-hmm. None of us make it to adulthood without going through the gauntlet of, of shit. Yeah. So, so what are your, what's your thoughts on that about, about representing everybody involved in this exchange? That's a really powerful point. I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up. I can give some some context on you want to get some context on teddy bear and kind of what we're doing and yeah yeah let's do it so i am a i'm a, a performing artist i'm a speaker i'm an empowerment coach for men biggest thing above all is that i'm a storyteller so from a storytelling perspective i teach i teach storytelling on um in keynote talks and as a as a coach i teach men how to change the narrative on their lives so that they can step into thought leadership and so the, the thing is is that i create these storytelling campaigns these social empowerment campaigns that tell the story of social movements. And the last one that we did was called Thank You for Your Service. We did that with the U.S. Department of Defense. It was a spoken word piece that I did that told the story of what it means to really honor veterans. We shot it on a military base, did it with the U.S. Army, and then put it out on Veterans Day and it went viral. The next one that we're working on is called the Teddy Bear Campaign. That's the teddy bear on my Mm t-shirt. And the Teddy Bear Campaign tells the story of a school shooting from the perspective of a teddy bear. So this campaign is, the mission of this campaign is to provide people that are fed up with gun violence an inspiring way to act beyond thoughts and prayers. So it starts with the music video that I, for a song I did called More Than I Can Bear. More Than I Can Bear Bear tells the story of a school shooting from the perspective of a teddy bear. So the first verse is about the, the teddy bear realizing his owner's not coming home. Second verse is about the family and their mourning process. Third verse is about how the teddy bears had enough, gets an army of kids behind them, and then they go from being teddy bears to becoming grizzly bears. Mm-hmm. So cinematically scored, 40-piece youth choir in the piece. It's a really powerful piece. You, you saw the video last weekend. What were your thoughts yeah. on it? Powerful, man. Moving, inspiring. 
which, you know, it, it, by the time people get to hear this, you'll be able to go and click on the link and check it out for yourselves because it's, uh, it's a powerful thing that you're doing, man. But inspiring, definitely. It's definitely a moving piece. So oh, appreciate that, man. And, and the intention of it, and I'm getting back to, to your question, but the idea is like, the intention of this is to, these are transmedia campaigns. So they, they start online, they go offline. And, and the, the offline aspect of this campaign is inspiring and is bringing awareness to this and inspiring Congress to pass universal background checks in the spirit, in the space that they have ignored it for far too long. And, and so the idea is to, to inspire them by creating awareness, by showing the magnitude of the issue. So we're, so we're building up to an event where we're going to display 7,784 teddy bears on the steps of the U.S. Capitol. And that 7,784 is the amount of kids between the ages of 1 and 17 that are shot or killed every year as a result of gun violence. Mm. So um, on the steps of the U.S. Capitol, and that's going to happen in the beginning of next year. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're building up to with this effort. And the intention of these campaigns is to inspire people to not feel helpless in the face of great adversity, Mm -hmm. right? To give people an opportunity to see that there are action steps that we can take to be able to move towards substantive change on issues that it feels like you cannot do anything or move the boulder forward. And so, you know, when it comes to the idea of, of how we approach gun violence in our country and how we approach, you know, the idea of creating, um, like you were talking about the, the shooters, you were talking about, you know, like bringing up that awareness around the person. I think that it's, I think that it needs to be handled in a certain way. I'll, I'll share this with you because I think this is a really interesting and important perspective. In my exhaustive research around this effort, The one beautiful thing about doing these storytelling campaigns is that I don't paint myself to be a lifelong advocate of somebody who's been fighting around for gun violence for a long time. I do my job. Like I'm a storyteller and I tell the story, but I tell it in a powerful way that gets people to do something about it. Right. So if it's passionate, if I feel passionate about it, if I feel like it's something that needs to be addressed, then I'm going to address it in my way to bring to move the needle forward. Right. Mm -hmm. My intention is to fuel the efforts of organizations that are on the ground doing that work. Organizations like Brady Campaign, Giffords, you know, Everytown, USA, like all, or those organizations. So those are the March for Our Lives. Those are the organizations that are on the ground doing the work. My job is to fuel their effort to start that fire. Mm-hmm. So in my research around the issue, there's been a, there's a lot of conversation around why people do, especially specifically, mass shootings. And so when it comes to mass shootings, one of the things that has been brought up very much through the research is that one of the reasons that these acts are perpetrated is because they want to, because the the shooter wants to create notoriety and fame, Mm -hmm. awareness around who they are as a person. And so what happens is that as a result of news outlets releasing this information through the news and through mass media, what it does is it, is it perpetuates the cycle of people seeing that they can get notoriety from it and then continuing to do it. Mm-hmm. So in some other countries, what they've done is they've mandated, mandated that news outlets can no longer report the face or the picture or the name of the individual that has perpetrated the crime. So it doesn't perpetuate copycats, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what was happening like with, you know, serial killers and all that other kind of stuff. So there's a lot of copycat crimes. Mm-hmm. So, 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 that's, so that's the belief around like how that, affect, how that affects that issue in terms of, uh, you know, like um, preventing copycats, not making those people famous, mm-hmm. right? However, you bring up a really valid point because what happens is that as a result of that, we, we absolve ourselves and the society of the fact that we created the killer to some degree. Mm-hmm. The society did, mm-hmm. right? So we, we remove- nobody, nobody wants to take responsibility for that. You don't hear right. anybody saying, how did we do this? I'd love to yeah. see a news anchor say, what are we doing? Right, 
Right. So our society, we, us, community, whatever community is it. So we create the environment for that individual to thrive. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the question is, is what environment are we creating and how are they and how, and, and how are they thriving in that environment? Right. Mm-hmm. Or not thriving. And so when we blame, when we go, oh, it's just, you know, mental illness. Oh, it's just like, you know, it's like a, a blanket thing. Oh, it's just, you know, mental illness is the issue. Right. Right. Mental illness is the issue. So. There's a lot of issues associated with it. And I hate the idea of painting the picture that, that the primary reason that these things occur is because of mental illness. There are a lot of people that suffer from mental illness that do not do these types of crimes. This is, a, this is an issue in terms of, of the environment for which that individual, that individual is going through. And we need to make sure that we're addressing the causes that create the environment for that person where that person commits that crime mm-hmm. and addressing the issue on a, on a micro level and a macro level. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you, because you said you've done the research. Is, has, have you seen anything about correlation between the, the people who are committing these acts and absent father in the home, in the home a history of some sort of physical or sexual abuse, bullying? Uh, is there any significant correlation? Is, is it like across the board there's something like that happening for these people? There are some direct correlations, and I don't want to speak to that because that's not part of the research that I've looked into. Okay. There are some common traits that, that go across the board. When we talk about like like broken homes, bullying, I think that there's organizations, again, that, that are like addressing how we create environments in schools that, that help to spot people who are showing the signs, mm-hmm. how we spot people who are kids who are, who are feeling isolated or ostracized or something like that. And then how we address that as a community, right? Because that's the thing that that's that the community piece becomes a really important component in this mm. because we need to be able to, to not only identify who those people are, but we need to be able to, to give them the support that they need. So their eruption does not end up with them walking into a school with an AK-47. Right, right. Exactly, man. Well, I think that, that I, I don't know what the solution is. You know, I think that that's, that's, that's not... That's not the mission I've taken on is figuring out exactly what are the means by which, because I think there's a lot of people, like you said, boots on the ground that are doing that are doing sure. that work. Yeah. Uh, I, I see one role that I get to play is is flipping the conversation like we like we have here today For sure. to to what can we do as a community? What is the culture we want to create going all the way back to what you said instead of future tripping? on what we what we don't want to happen or you know getting stuck out there what do we what's the culture we actually want to create here and now in this moment right what do we want to teach our children how do we want to how do we want to hold other people's children mm-hmm. you know even just that mentality alone that well these are my kids those are your kids you know take care of your kid right why why, why can't i be an uncle to your child why don't I take responsibility for the child that's across the street Yo. even if it just means giving him a smile letting him know hey the world's safe over here man dude that I feel like it's Sunday, dude, because you're preaching the gospel right now. I feel like it's, I don't even go to church. But I feel like you're preaching the gospel. That is the truth, yo. L- let me tell you a real quick story what happened with Katie, my girlfriend. Katie was on a hike. Katie teaches women how to step into the, them being a queen. She was on a hike with Elijah, her son, her eight-year-old son. And there were these boys pushing big, like big rocks down an embankment onto the path. Big rocks, like not just like small, like big rocks. Mm-hmm. So they were pushing them. So onto the path, Katie saw them pushing the rocks. This is the community aspect, right? What do you do? Mm-hmm. Do you step in and, or do you just go, you know what? It's these, it's these kids and their mental illness. Those badass right? kids. Those badass kids, right? 
Badass yeah, kids. Put my, put my son closer to me. Get Stay away from those kids over right, there. Right, exactly. Step in. Stay away from those kids. Yeah. Haiti addressed them. She said, she said, boy, she said, she said, look, if I'm teaching women how to be queens, then I need to teach these young boys how to step into becoming kings. Mm-hmm. So she said, boy, she said, and she didn't admonish them in a way. She's like, look, she's like, y'all are going to get yourselves in a really messed up situation if y'all keep doing this. Mm-hmm. They got it in an instant. Mm-hmm. They got it in an instant. They weren't, they weren't impossible. They weren't impossible. They were, it wasn't like they're going to reject the whole thing. It wasn't impossible. They actually stopped. They addressed her. They said, she said, she said, I think it'd be a good idea if you move the bolt, the, the little big ass rock, because if a biker comes down here and he hits it, then he's off. He, he, he's going to, you know, lose it, lose his shit. If, a, if, if you, if that boulder hits someone else, then you can end up in jail, mm-hmm. you know? And she used to work in prison. So she was like, look, you know, I used to work with people who ended up in jail doing some stupid stuff. And y'all don't want to end up in that situation. They moved the boulder. It was over. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, she went to further down the, the trail. The boys end up walking further down the trail in her direction. They see her and then they engage with her. Yep. They talk to her. Mm-hmm. They told her their stories. Yeah. Like she's some sort of fairy godmother. They're like, oh, my God, <laughs> you actually care? Right. You, you you actually, care. you're not you're, you actually see us. Right. You see us. Yeah. yeah, we yeah, we do stupid stuff. But she didn't give up on them. Mm. That's it right there, man. That's it you know right what I'm there. saying. And the thing is, is that like, that's the thing is that if the community component steps in in that space and we don't give up on the on the on the people that we're trying to help, if we don't give up on the people that we want to move forward. Like people are trying to change the world. Like I get it. I dig it. I, I'm with it all the way for my job. I want to move the world forward. I want to move it to the place that it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Like the place that we feel like it can be like, that's the place I want to get it to mm-hmm. move it forward. So if we can move the world forward in terms of not giving up on boys, if we can move the world forward in terms of remembering what's important when it relates to gun violence, if we can move the world forward in terms of how we authentically relate and create transparent and safe environments for men to authentically relate, man, this world would be a, a would would grow into its potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I love what you said before about inspiring people with action beyond thoughts and prayers, because keep the thoughts and prayers coming. That's powerful, yeah. too. But don't stop there. Right. Don't, 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 you know, share the video, share the podcast, share this message. Let's, let's, let's amplify this dialogue that we're having here. But then when you go to, when you go to the park and you see a child who's not being supervised, pushing another kid down the slide, go have a conversation with that child. Say, Hey, is everything okay? Yeah. What's going on? What's happening for you? Curiosity, right. like that word yes. curiosity when it comes to children is so magical instead of no, like we know, I know what's going on for him. He's being a bully. He's, mm-hmm. he's trying to dominate that kid. And sometimes it's just, they, they don't know how to express themselves. Yes. They need like, to be taught, like you said before, taught and also taught by example. Maybe that boy is coming from a household where his parents don't know how to express themselves. Maybe yeah. he sees his dad push his mom around. And so are you going to wait and hope that someday that boy figures it out on his own? Or are you going to look and see every opportunity you have to be a loving interruption in that kid's narrative of what the world is like? Yeah. Yeah, man. It's it's that, it's shifting into action. That's bars, dude. That's bars. Look, look, yeah. Daddy, I, I'm going to tell you this about the, the thing I realized about my father. My father and I have had a, a contentious relationship and we're on the mend um, as he's moving through a space where his he's in a transitional space in terms of his life. By, by transitioning, I mean, he's he's uh, his his health is failing and, and, and we're 
trying to figure out exactly what, what the next phases of, of his life will be. Mm-hmm. I held a lot of rage around the meaning that I gave around in my relationship with my father. Him not being there is just, is, is an isolated situation. If you, like Francis, if you're, if you're in a situation where you have, a, have an abusive father and, and, that, and the dude leaves, I mean, I'm not sure if you would want him to stay, you know? Mm-hmm. So the idea is that that could be a very happy situation that he's gone because he's no longer abusing you, right. you know? Mm-hmm. So I gave meaning to uh, the meaning that I gave around my relationship with my father. And the thing that I realized is that my father, you were saying this about maybe he, that, that parents didn't have the tools. And I don't think my father had the tools, you know? And I don't think he had the tools to be able to teach me to authentically relate or communicate or for him to even really be present. He didn't have the tools to learn that or to understand that. And I forgave him for that because the thing is, is that, is that by virtue of the fact of me holding on to that anxiety around what he was supposed to do for me or who he was supposed to be for me, mm-hmm. I got, I got into the space of thinking that he was going to be some superhero, mm. right? But the truth of the matter is that we learn through compare and contrast. So we compare ourselves to everything we learn through contrast, everything. So we compare it and then we go, oh, what is my life? You know, so I might look at somebody who has a, a, a life that I think is perfect. And then I compare it to my relationship with my father and I go, oh, he's not doing his job, right? So the, the, and the, the truth of the matter is that I told my father when I forgave him, I said, you know what? I said, even if you were perfect, I probably would have still found something to be mad at you about. <laughs> I'd be that like, right there, man. That's. I was it. like, you know what? I was like, you was like, oh, it's an unreasonable standard. I can't live up to you're this. You're too perfect. No, you're, too, <laughs> you're too perfect. It's all this stuff like that. It's like, it's like I would have found something. something. The thing is, is that I had to figure out the meaning of my life for me, to me. And mm. that's the thing that I needed to do most, more importantly than anything else. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Oh, that's, that's it right there, man. And that, and that brings it around full circle back to what you said before, you know, we were talking about boy and man, you know, that that's, that's, that's for me crossing the threshold into manhood is when you realize that we are responsible for our lives. If you're still blaming your parents for your circumstances, if you're still blaming the block you grew up on or the school that you went to for your circumstances, instead of shifting that narrative, like you said, Mm -hmm. like you do with men into how that strengthens you versus how that made your life more difficult, Mm -hmm. then you're still living on the other side of the river there. And, you know, folks like Sanyika, myself, we're just saying, hey, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a ferry waiting right here. The hardware store is open. The tools are available. If you're not choosing to step in and take them and grab and grab them for yourself and apply them to your life, then you're taking the, you're taking the easier way out. Yeah. You're being the problem, not the solution. Straight up. So I want to acknowledge you, man, because I, I appreciate what you just said and I, and I appreciate your dedication to helping to create this environment for men, mm-hmm. you know? And again, I didn't, I didn't even know this shit existed. <laughs> I didn't even know it was, I didn't even know it was, you know, like we live in bubbles, you know, silos. And I didn't know it existed. And as a result of knowing it existed, especially coming from a look, man, I'm a shed jetty. I'm going to be straight with you, man. Like, look, the, you know, like this type of authentic relating, like men's work and all this other kind of stuff like that, man, ain't, ain't none of this, like none of this shit where I was, where I grew up. You know right. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Ain't none of it. None. Mm-hmm. None with a capital zero. So, <laughs> so, the, so, so stepping into this kind of work in this space is, is a very recent inclusion into my life. 
Yet and still, it has been one of the most powerful. And I appreciate men like you being leaders and being organizers and facilitators and beacons of light, especially for men who need to see that out of their silo, that there is a space and a way for them to be able to navigate the world and to, and to step into a greater version of themselves. Mm. You know? so, mm. so I just wanted to salute you for that, man. Thank you, brother. I, I received that full on. It means a lot coming from a man of your caliber. And all it really is for me is exactly what you said. It's, it's me seeing that I don't want to just give my thoughts and prayers to a problem that I see anymore. I decided mm. that I wanted to, to do whatever I could. Mm. I, used to be, I used to be, the weight of the world felt really heavy when I was just looking at it as, as though I was helpless. And seeing mm-hmm. that just having a conversation about this has a ripple that makes a difference and having a mm. bigger and bigger conversation and then getting together on the beach down in LA to haka yeah. together makes a difference to, 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 to send out a video with a powerful message behind it and then to show up at the state capitol and put 7,734 teddy bears on the capitol steps sends a message 84, 784 teddy bears like that's the type of thing that everyone is capable of I'm, I'm, you and I are not, are not special we're not unique it's just going from thought to action. And that's it. There's not, nothing more than that, man. So beautiful, brother. I, I love your message. I support it so much. Let me hit you with two lightning style questions. Like, you I'm know, with right, it. right off the top of the dome, what you got. And then I'm going to give you a chance to tell us about Teddy Bear and all you're up to. So cool. first one, what is one thing you've learned that you wish you knew when you were 18 years old? That, to not be afraid of commitment. Mm, I like that one. Not be afraid of it. And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Most important value to have as a man is authenticity. Authenticity. Awesome, man. Well, speaking of authenticity, where can we go to hear more of your authentic message? Where can we check out Teddy Bear? When people, when you guys are listening to this, the, the Teddy Bear campaign will have just launched September 30th was the day it went live, right? Yeah, so so yeah, tell correct. us about that, where we can find it, where we can find you and support your, your mission. Very much appreciate that, man. So my website is firestarterlive.com. You can click on it to, to view the, the video for Teddy Bear there. Um, you can go to teddybearcampaign.org. That, that is the, that'll take you to the crowdfunding site as we're building momentum for the event. So teddybearcampaign.org. You can go to firestarterlive.com where you can see the video hosted on YouTube at San Yika the Firestarter on Facebook at San Yika the Firestarter as well. We're asking for the support of a community to build up to an event where we show the world the magnitude of this issue. And every dollar that we raise over the amount that we need for the cost of this event is going to go to, organiz- to our organizational partners. So we have an organization, Guitars Over Guns, um, that is gonna, that's uh, riding with us through this whole process. And they provide social-emotional learning there in Miami. They provide social-emotional learning to, to youth. So they're actually giving youth an opportunity or a, um, a platform outside of gun violence in their communities mm-hmm. to learn and, to, and, and providing them with music. And then the um, other portion of the money is going to go to, to families and survivors and to organizations that advocate around legislative solutions to address this issue on a national level. Mm-hmm. Making a splash, man. You're, you're doing one of those cannonballs off the high dive with this one. <laughs> and, I, and, and I love it, especially especially at 6'8", 270, man. I know you're trimming down, but that's still a powerful cannonball, bro. Listen, man, I love you. I love what you're doing. I respect you a lot. You know, you have my full support behind you. And and everybody, seriously, if you guys haven't heard, haven't been following San Yika yet, and you you just want to get lit up, 
he he embodies the fire starter. He is he is the fire starter. Best believe. If you if if you gotta you gotta check out some of his stuff. So make sure you follow him. Check him out. Support this teddy bear campaign. I'm in, man. Appreciate it, man. I'm I'm on board. I'm behind you. Thank you for thank you for taking the time today to share your thoughts and your wisdom with us. Absolutely, my brother. Thank you for having me, and uh, much love to you, your lovely wife Carrie, and happy birthday, Sika. <laughs> yes, sir, man. Take care. You too, bro. Man, oh man, my brother San Yika, man, he could really bring the heat. It's such a powerful conversation and such a beautiful and inspiring mission that my brother is is out there and the mission that he set out for himself. This campaign that just launched the, earlier this week on September 30th, the Teddy Bear Campaign, where San Yika has put together a, a beautiful composition, a beautiful art piece expressing the outbreak of gun violence, a school shooting through a teddy bear's eyes. There's such a such a powerful and compelling topic in our society right now, you know. We've never had this in our history before, where there have been so many unnecessary deaths caused by guns. And I know that this is such a big and heavy topic right now. So many people with different ideas of what the solution is. And I really appreciated Sanyika's way of expressing the solution, how we can stand and stick up for the children of, of this generation and, and protect them by by not allowing this to be a reality for us anymore, by doing whatever it takes to keep guns out of the hands of people who are hurting and how to take care of people who are hurting so that they don't get to the point where they want to do something like that in the first place. I hope you guys were inspired by this conversation, inspired by Sanyika's mission and his message. Please go and support the teddy bear campaign that he's launched. We've got the information in the show notes, but you can definitely go check out the video that he put out there, share it up, send it out there. Make sure this thing goes viral, just like some of the other stuff that Sanyika's created, because my brother has a powerful way of speaking and he definitely moves people. So please support him and getting his message out there, especially because it's it's such a, such a genuine, inspiring mission to get behind. So make sure you guys go out there, check out his video, make sure you support him, follow him everywhere he's at. And while you're at it, make sure you sign up for our Rising Man Fire Circles. Get yourself inside of the fire circle, man. Get yourself close to the fire. Get yourself connected with these brothers out here who are stepping up in their lives and learning how to hold each other accountable. With these new upgrades that we've had inside the fire circle, every single man is getting real hands-on experience in masculine leadership and how to facilitate a men's circle. So if you've ever wanted to be a part of that and learn how to participate in, create, and facilitate a men's circle, be a leader in a men's space, then this is where you gotta be, man. So go to patreon.com slash rising man. Sign up right now, make it happen. We'll take good care of you, I promise. As always, check out the links for show notes and resources at therisingmanpodcast.com. Please subscribe and follow us on the podcast app of your choice. Whether you're listening to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, wherever you're at, hit the subscribe button, follow us so you get the most recent episodes and updates on what's happening in the Rising Man world. And make sure you give us a follow on Instagram at Rising Man Podcast, my bro Rowan Tyne doing some great work out there putting putting those amazing images together every single week make sure you share it up make sure you send those messages out there so that the rising man message keeps keeps reaching other men every single week i've got new men reaching out to me saying oh yeah my bro just uh sent me an episode of the rising man and then I, I can't stop listening i love getting those messages so when you share up these images when you share whatever your is inspiring you and sharing it up with your brothers it's it's going a long way you're, you're doing your part and helping the mission keep moving thank you so much in advance for doing that fellas i appreciate you 
appreciate y'all. Shout out to the rest of the Rising Man Power Squad, Julian Subic, Sean Offenbach, Mark Rose. You guys, man, you guys know you guys are helping me hold up the foundation of Rising Man. And I appreciate y'all. And, and the guys in the fire circles, the men and the women out there who've been listening. I appreciate y'all. This whole community, this whole community has helped me to fuel my fire and to keep my mission moving. So thank you for all that you do. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.